And so these four lepers, greedy that they were, they began to hoard and to hide much of this stuff until their conscience got the better of them. And they said, we do not well. If you look at chapter 7, verse 9, you can read their words. We do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. In other words, there are people behind those walls starving. We're out here feasting, and we don't share with them. And so they go back to the walls and to the gates of the city, and they talk to the porter and say, the Syrians are gone, and there's food for everybody. But they thought it was a trap. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher, and today again we come to the message on unbelief robbing your soul. There was in the city of Samaria a terrible siege. Food was running out. Starvation was rampant. Disease was killing the people. And the Syrian army had surrounded to finish off the people in starvation. And it was prophesied tomorrow that food would be sold at a greatly reduced price. And that seemed impossible because, firstly, there was no food. And secondly, there was no prospect of bringing food into the city. So, the, pro- the prophecy seemed doomed to fail. But unbelief was a problem. But there were those who went out and they discovered food because during the night the Syrian army had fled. And so we come to this message today on unbelief robbing your soul. I hope that you do not rule out what God can do for your soul. So stay tuned as we come to this message today, and we have another uh, rehearsal on the clip, The Madness of Marijuana. We are greatly concerned about this country's future, young people, generations rising up, that they will be plagued by this freedom to use marijuana. As our government proceeds to legalize it, it will become a plague. Already, the growers, the business magnates are are ramping up production, seeking to make money from this opportunity to sell mountains of marijuana. But we pray that God will work and turn this for good and not for evil. So stay tuned with us as we let the Bible speak today. But you can see that faith lays hold upon the abundance and the plenty. And of course, God is able to do the exceeding abundant. He, his ways are not our ways. And while we, yes, we confess we live in a time of famine, a famine for the hearing and the preaching of the Word of God, a time of leanness, and a time when we might despair. But let us not lose sight of the abundance and the unlimited power of God to help. We think of the cross. We think of what Christ purchased at the cross. We love the doctrines of redemption, and we know that Christ's death was not in vain, that he purchased by his blood and his sacrifice the church, his bride. I just heard something. Actually, Beulah was quoting it, and I overheard her saying this, that um, 
men like to choose their own wives, why do we not allow the Lord to choose his bride? And God is gathering his people, his church. That's the work of redemption that he's about. And in the history of the church, there have been highs and lows. There have been battles and there have been nigh defeats. But the Lord is still building his church. And his promise, I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it, is still true. This man, this unbelieving man, also, he questioned the suddenness of the blessing. Elisha had said, this time tomorrow, this time tomorrow you will see this. Food will be dirt cheap right here in the city. Oh, it would come quickly. And of course, that was the big part of the the problem. The man could say, how can that possibly be? It's impossible. And he doubted it, questioned it, mocked it. And yet it was the word of the Lord uh, to his people that very day. Now, of course, when you think about it, it, it was impossible, humanly speaking. To send a runner for help, it would take a day to get to the nearest community. To send a runner to Egypt would take a week. How could any army, how could any deliverer show up within 24 hours? It just seemed right out of the question. And yet we know that God in his grace often works suddenly. We're told in the book of Malachi that suddenly he shall come to his temple. We know that on that day when Christ shall return, he shall come suddenly, without announcement. And there are many ways in which the Lord moves suddenly. Regeneration, the miracle of the new birth, is something that happens in an instant. Men are born of the Spirit, not over a period or a scale of the calendar, but in an instant the new birth takes place. And it is possible for a nation to be born in a day, for a church to be brought from deadness and emptiness into days of refreshing and of revival blessing. When we preach the gospel, we are exhorted in the Bible to set forth the invitation, today, now is the accepted time, not some future date. Also, this peer, this unbelieving king's man, may well have questioned the place of deliverance. Samaria? Now, if it had been Jerusalem, we could have said God has his love set upon Jerusalem. That was God's city. It was the place of the Ark of the Covenant, the place of the temple, the place of God's Shekinah glory coming down. But Samaria? How could such a thing take place in that city? That city of apostasy and of idolatry, where the people didn't deserve to be delivered. How could it ever happen? And yet, it happened. The turnaround happened. We might equate that to our nation, Canada. Canada that has turned its back on God. Our church leaders and our political leaders, for the most part, 
have turned to an ungodly attitude in almost everything, from abortion and, and recently the announcement of our Canadian government, $650 million to fund abortions uh, in international places. This country is now becoming a leader in the immorality that is destroying infants in the womb. And the list goes on. And there's not a political party with a moral social agenda that they can win and get power in this nation at this time. And we wonder how can it be turned around? Can Canada be blessed again? God's on the throne. God's on the throne. And he can turn the impossible into the possible. Now, this man also questioned the means and the method. He questioned how this could possibly be, that this food would be so accessible right in the city. It it can't happen. It can't happen. And yet, in the power of God, the Syrian army, whatever they heard, I don't know. Did God send angels and turn up the volume on their wings? So they thought this is, this is just terror to them. Or did he work on the ears of the Syrians so they heard things? We don't know. But God drove the Syrians out in a most unlikely manner, not with military might, not with some human force or power, but with perhaps his own voice. Now, you might be asking, how is God going to bless and revive his church? How is he going to do it? Well, we must not box God into one way. God has many ways that he can work. He might use a leaflet, a Bible, a hospital visit, a radio program, a fellow Christian, a missionary meeting, a quiet word of witness, just somebody quietly saying, hey, do you want to hear what the Lord has done for my soul? Or it might be the hollering of an open-air preacher. God can work in many ways. And with the most, perhaps, unlikely means. And usually he takes the the means that's weak and feeble and shows his power. That's often how God works. And so the character of unbelief is to question. It's always to question. And we don't want to be questioning the power of God, nor the wisdom of God, nor the mercy of God. We need to be a people of faith who believe that even though this be a lean time, and we feel the pain of that, we feel the discouragement of that, yet God's on the throne, and he's able to turn this around. So we move now to the hindrances of unbelief that make it a robber of your soul. Now, there's a number of things that I would like to list here, first of all, that it didn't hinder. This man's unbelief did not hinder God. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Because there are those who speak in our ear and those who would tell us, it's over. But that doesn't really change anything, just because there's somebody that is filled with unbelief. Now, The army, the Syrian army, was still driven off. 
And the Lord protected and provided for his people. So it didn't hinder God at all. It didn't hinder the lepers. Oh, they were delighted. Those were the happiest lepers in all of Israel when they discovered that food to endless supplies of it and were able to go and share the good news with the people. And it didn't hinder God's people. They got the blessing, even with the unbelief of this man. Even though he was a naysayer, the people were still fed exactly as appointed. Only the unbeliever himself, he is the one who was robbed. And of course, you know now the story that when the news broke, food is out here plentiful, and the people were pressing out through those gates, and he who was standing right there as an important king's representative was trodden down and died right on the scene. The only one who was robbed was himself. The only one who missed the blessing was the naysayer himself. And of course, unbelief is like that. It robs of the very blessing. What's unbelief doing today? It's robbing people of the power of the gospel blessing. Those who will not believe and those who mock and add an if to every word of the gospel, they do not enter into the blessing. And of course, it is unbelief that impoverishes the soul. Don't go there. Don't allow yourself to fall into that state of mind and heart. Perhaps tonight you say, but I'm not a believer. I've never yet believed on Jesus, the Son of God. I've never yet claimed Christ as my Savior. I ask you, don't rob your soul of the blessing that is in Christ. You're only robbing yourself. You're only robbing your own soul, and you're only bringing God's judgment upon yourself. And it is your faith alone, not my faith. My faith cannot save you. My faith cannot bring you into blessing. I need faith for my heart and my salvation and my walk with God. But you need personal faith. And if you are here tonight and you've got a big question mark on why Christ came into the world, what he accomplished on the cross, how he can save you from your sins, I ask you, believe the gospel. The good news is that God sent his Son to save sinners. And as you accept and believe the message, trusting in Jesus, you enjoy the blessings. But unbelief will rob you of all the blessing. And so I call you to give up your unbelief and to trust in the Lord Jesus. Now, we see the judgment of God upon unbelief as well as a robber of the soul. You go to verse 17 of chapter 7, and you'll read this incident. Uh, the king appointed the Lord in whose hand he leaned to have the charge of the gate. Now, there's God's providence. There's God at work. And the people trod upon him in the gate, and he died as the man of God had said. Now, unbelievers 
might have the hope of the gospel in their heads, but if it's not in their hearts, they're condemned. They're condemned. You might see it in others. You might see the Lord blessing others, but it cannot bless you while you remain in unbelief. There are many people and many examples of people who saw the blessing of God with their eyes, but they actually never partook of it. I think of Eve in the Garden of Eden. She looked, she desired, and she took. But that did not bring any blessing to her heart. It was an act of disobedience, an act of questioning God, and of course it brought the curse of God to her heart. Then there's the first generation of Israel who came out of Egypt. That whole generation died in the wilderness because of unbelief. What a warning. What a great warning. A whole generation for 40 years, God waited until that generation died. And all who were over the age of 20 when they entered the land, uh, the the wilderness out, out of Egypt, all who were over the age of 20 at that time perished in the wilderness because of their unbelief. There's another big vivid example in the elder brother in the story of the prodigal son. And while the prodigal was the one who blew it and left home and fell into terrible sin and disgrace, yet he was the one who returned home. But the elder brother was on the outside and would not go in because of the hardness of his heart. And then the next example the dying thief, the bad one. Well, they were both bad, but one was believing. The other was unbelieving. And the one who did not believe perished. He lost his soul. He saw Christ with his eyes. He saw God's perfect Son. He saw the blood by which believers are redeemed. But because of his unbelief, he perished. What a warning. Unbelief is the robber of our souls, all because of unbelief. Unbelief is a parent sin. It is the nurse to every other wicked way in our lives. Unbelief fosters other sins. Unbelief makes other works impossible. And I quote Hebrews eleven six: He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of them that seek him. You must come by faith, or unbelief will destroy you. And of course, unbelief is always punished by God. Even as we see it here, in this man who perished right at the gate when everyone else was rushing to nourish themselves in the supplies of the Syrians that left behind. This man died right there. Unbelief was punished. And everywhere you look in the Bible where men turn to unbelief and disobey God, they end up in judgment. I plead with you tonight that you... Number one, thank God for the gospel. We have a gospel feast. We're bidden to a gospel table. 
We're bidden to be satisfied in the grace of our Savior. Do not miss the blessing and the invitation to that blessing by your unbelief. But believe tonight and trust the Savior with all your heart. Will you do that? Will you seek the Lord this evening? And if I can help you to give your heart, give your trust to Christ, I'll gladly pray with you, talk to you. Just make your need known, and I'll be glad to share the gospel further with you. This is Ian Gallagher. Thank you for joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak. And today we're looking at righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And we need the warning that marijuana is coming. If you've not already smelled it in your neighborhood, soon, in a few months' time, parents will have lost one big reason to direct their children away from marijuana because it will become legal. Canada is opening up the marijuana market and will lift its ban on the use of what has been known as weed. I have to ask what our government is already smoking, for they must be out of their minds. A little research will show that marijuana is no joke. Doesn't the government know already what is established by science? Here are some of the adverse consequences of marijuana use taken from a drug abuse government in the U.S. Acute, persistent, during intoxication, impaired short-term memory, impaired attention, judgment, and other cognitive functions, impaired coordination and balance, increased heart rate, anxiety, paranoia, psychosis although they claim that is uncommon. Persistent, lasting longer than intoxication, but may not be permanent. That impaired learning and coordination, sleep problems. Then there are the long-term or cumulative effects of repeated use of marijuana. Potential for marijuana addiction. Impairments in learning and memory with potential loss of IQ. Increased risk of chronic cough and bronchitis. Increased risk of other drug and alcohol use disorders. Increased risk of schizophrenia in people with genetic vulnerability. And then they also have loss of IQ among individuals with persistent marijuana use who began using heavily during adolescence. And so we have this list of problems that marijuana causes. Now, here is a statement. What are marijuana's effects on lung health? Info taken from the National Institute on Drug Abuse in the USA. They say that like tobacco smoke, marijuana smoke is an irritant to the throat and lungs and can cause a heavy cough during use. It also contains levels of volatile chemicals and tar that are similar to tobacco smoke, raising concerns about risk for cancer and lung disease. Marijuana smoking is associated with large airway inflammation, increased airway resistance, and lung hyperinflation. 
and those who smoke marijuana regularly report more symptoms of chronic bronchitis than those who do not smoke. One study found that people who frequently smoke marijuana had more outpatient medical visits for respiratory problems than those who do not smoke. And the list goes on and on. I want to read to you a director's letter on the site for National Institute on Drug Abuse in the United States. Changes in marijuana policies across states legalizing marijuana for medical and or recreational use suggest that marijuana is gaining greater acceptance in our society. Thus, it is particularly important for people to understand what is known about both the adverse health effects and the potential therapeutic benefits linked to marijuana. Because marijuana impairs short-term memory and judgment and distorts perception, it can impair performance in school or at work and make it dangerous to drive. It also affects brain systems that are still maturing through young adulthood. So regular use by teens may have negative and long-lasting effects on their cognitive development, putting them at a competitive disadvantage and possibly interfering with their well-being in other ways. Also, contrary to popular opinion, marijuana can be addictive, and its use during adolescence may make other forms of problem use or addiction more likely. Whether smoking or otherwise consuming marijuana has therapeutic benefits that outweigh its health risks is still an open question. And this is signed by Nora D. Volkow, MD, Director, National Institute on Drug Abuse, USA. And so I have asked, have Canadians lost their minds to allow and legalize marijuana from coast to coast, knowing the harm and knowing the societal danger this will have, our government, led by our Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, is acting like a Pied Piper leading the citizens of our country to ruin. What a disaster this is going to bring. It will bring a tsunami of problems on the roads, domestic life, on the job, and throughout society. We are headed for a downgrade disaster. Surely we need to cry out to God to deliver people from this this awful temptation and destruction, especially for young people, because the science is clear that the THC compound in marijuana will destroy developing uh, minds so that they will not reach their potential and they will be damaged for life. This is irreversible damage. This is a disaster for our country, and it's a disaster for the rising generation in this this nation that will reap the harvest of this evil. Let us cry to God for mercy for the rising generation, and let us plead the truth that righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach of any people. May the Lord be gracious and turn this nation again to righteousness. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to 
tbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast, and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music.